Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you so much, as always, for checking out the series. You know what to do. I say it every week, but uh, I'll say it again. Hit that subscribe button. I put out three new interviews every single week, a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube, for the video versions, or anywhere you like to get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Liz Fair. It's always so much fun to talk with Liz, and today we get to talk about Soberish, her first new album in 11 years. Uh, she's going to tell us about recapturing the feel of, uh, of her landmark album, Exile in Guyville, that, uh, that comes along with working with the same producer, Brad Wood, experimenting with sound design, and how the album acts as a bridge between her two biographies, uh, Horror Stories that came out a couple years ago, and the upcoming Fairy Tales. Now, Liz is also going to talk about what this new album says in relation to the message, and in the way at least, that Guyville uh, foretold a lot of things that were happening in the world, as well as the upcoming tour that's going to find her on stage alongside Alanis Morissette and Garbage. This was the tour that was supposed to happen last year, of course, has been rescheduled, and it's amazing that all three artists are uh, are able to make it uh, to get back on, and they're going to do it. So let's do this and discuss Soberish. It's Kyle Meredith with Liz Fair. Hi, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to see you. It's so great to be talking to you about um, about new music. I mean, I guess the last time we did, there was kind of a little teaser track that went along with the book. And you're like, the record's on the way. And now finally, <laughs> the record is coming. It's here. Oh, yeah, we got a little derailed by a small pandemic. <laughs> a little bit. I got to tell you, this record you forgot something within it, and that was the filler. There's no filler on this record. I think you forgot to include that. It is straight bangers the entire way. Seriously, congratulations. This is so good. Thank you so much. It was so great to work with Brad again and find our stride, if you will. Like, I love that we can look at the music we've done now and still feel sort of the elements of the past but it's completely different it's completely surprising to us too how we sound together you've talked about the lot too you know hooking back up with brad and doing this how much like 
how much time traveling did you actually allow yourself? I know there is a bit of wanting to get back to that thing that we all got to know in the early days, but but how much is actually the before you cut the line and say, okay, no, because we still have to push forward, right? Yeah, we absolutely do. And one of the things that's so great about Brad, I don't know how uh, familiar you are with his proclivities, but he has a memory like like a steel trap. Like he can tell you exactly what plugin we used, you know, on Guyville or on Whipsmart or any of the stuff we worked together on. So we kind of took the approach of let's use the alphabet of Guyville, but like, let's re-scramble it into a totally different language. I really wanted us to feel like we were on a surprising footing so that we were searching and we were pushing into the new for ourselves, but we used a lot of the sounds from our previous incarnation, if you will. Mm -hmm. I remember it was an interview with, I want to say, uh, Charles uh, uh, from Pixies. And he was talking about how in the later days, people still expected him and the Pixies to sound spontaneous and how hard it was to try to sound spontaneous. (laughs) There are those moments all over this record where I do. It sounds like these great spots. Like, was that is that part of it for you? you? Do you like try or did that actually happen a little bit more naturally? That we did not try. I mean, we. Um, the mandate was to be, to be, to search for the new. So you can't help but be spontaneous because you don't know where you're going. But that is sort of like the biggest drug for me. Like that would be my number one drug is creativity, not knowing where you're going and finding your way into it and kind of creating something that hasn't, that at least to my ears, I haven't heard before. You know, I haven't heard myself this way. And I really wanted it to sound different from other things that were being put out at this time. So that was just, that was pure pleasure. Yeah. I, one of the things I've always loved about your songwriting with kind of that in mind is, you know, as you talk about in your your first uh, biography with Horror Stories, you take us back to your early days when you were an art student and you approached music as kind of an art project. And then you took on these, you know, these, these pop grandeurs as you went along. And, and I think that's what I love about it, because it still sounds like you're going, I'm going to write a pop song, but it's still going to be an art project. Yes. Like, am yes. I close with that? You are, you are absolutely, that's a bullseye. Um, I see sound visually. And when I'm in the studio, I'm looking at kind of a sphere of music and placing things in different places and thinking about stuff. I know I can't speak for Brad in terms of the visual aspect, but he's very particular about sounds too. And, and I really also think something that is very visual for us is kind of coming together and, and his jazz background and my pop sensibilities and not, not, taking away from the weird chords I make with my hands. Like I literally see the fretboard as a visual space. And if I'm playing low on it, I need to go high and I'm using my fingers to reach strange notes. And he's such an appreciator of that kind of quirkiness in me. Whereas another producer might very well just slap a big fat major a over it because he's like that's kind of what you're trying to do and i'll help you get there little missy you know what i mean like there's there's a sense of um nuance that he he allows to flourish well these moments as we talked about do happen all over the place i'll point out 
like um like i'm a big fan of of, of the uh, the lead singles with uh with hey lou and and spanish doors but especially soul sucker has just kind of got its claws in me right now because like I, I think in other interviews you're talking about especially musically even going back to what you were listening to in those college days with the uh, 80s college rock and, and indie rock and all that but but with that track right there like i'm hearing like massive attack you know sort I of love that it. trip trip hop is back now anyway so this is perfectly timed at the moment but I did want to ask about that one because it musically to me, it does seem sort of like the outlier against all the others on the record. Well, I sort of see it in tandem with uh, In There. I see those two as being paired up. I thought about pairing the, I, I, none of these arrangements are traditional. That was one mandate. Like none of these, I didn't want the listener to notice. I wanted to be so good at what we did that you wouldn't even notice how bizarre the structures of these songs are, you know? And that there was like hook galore so that you would just kind of go along with me and not even know you'd gone down this really weird path. Soul Sucker, I love that you love that song. Are you hearing the ghost lyric in there? The even people on my label haven't heard it. They're like, when they saw the lyrics printed out, they're like, are you, you, you know, is this wrong? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's in there. Do you hear on the I gotta second verse? I got to listen to it again. We yeah, did something I, that I like to call the Tokyo fade. So listen to the second verse on that. You've got two competing lead vocals. Mm-hmm. One is sort of ghostly and they're doing this. They're, they're crossing each other in a slow motion slide. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, no, but I, I notice you're doing that in other places too. Like, uh, I, you know, Spanish Doors has a, a sort of a dual thing hitting it the 100%. entire time. 100%. It's all yeah. over the place. I mean, like, I worked in television composition for a while. So, sound design is really big to me. And Brad spent that those interim years when we weren't working together working on mixing. And he did a lot of like heavy duty mix type stuff, like bands would want a re approach on their records and so i think that shows a lot in this sound design is pretty heavy in there and plus plus i've just been working in music so long i need experimentation i need to feel like i'm going into i was just listening to this uh album that pitchfork reviewed by a band called growing that's like a soundscape that stuff sounds normal to me now like that's what my brain needs to hear i need all that stuff it's funny i'm I'm gonna bring up one thing that you were talking about you know going through all these different paths and everything with your song because what do i have behind me but this right here oh my god stealing beauty wow and on twitter i think you were saying rocket boy you were like so many parts and now with what we're talking about i'm like no that sounds right that sounds exactly what we're talking about here (laughs) well you see back then i had all these parts but now i've layered them on top of each other whereas then they just kind (laughs) of spooled out what is that an eight minute song i mean how long is that song that song's (laughs) interesting because it's like it's, you've got more of a hook than a chorus in it. Like you've got a chorus, but it really acts more of a hook because you don't completely come back to that at no, any point just, else in the song. You just kind of hint at it again here I and there, you know? Think I might've been on drugs. I don't know. Like, <laughs> how did I do that? Like what it, and that's for a, like a, not a major, but a, you know, fairly real movie. You know okay. I mean, I think about some of the songs I put in movies, like, um, uh, don't have time. That's a crazy wild song. Like I have mm-hmm. snuck in some real weirdo songs into films and television. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. That's what B sides are for. I miss B sides. <laughs> like I do. Like 
you know, before streaming, you, you everybody had the chance for B-sides. For these songs, these type of songs right here to kind of live somewhere. And I don't really feel like that exists as much anymore. No, I, I know the nostalgia you know. has been really tough over this pandemic because since there's very few new experiences that we're having, I don't know about you, but I've been reaching into the past thinking about mm. stuff a lot. Have you? Look what I am surrounded yes, by. You have. Like, oh, yes, you <laughs> Manifestly so, Kyle. Ren and Stimpy over my shoulder over <laughs> yeah, here. Right. And it's, Maybe that was good for us. Maybe we were barreling forward without, you know, enough, enough anchoring. Sure. I'll take that. That makes me feel better about it anyway. Thanks, sure, doctor. Put a silver lining on that. <laughs> <laughs> Lay down. The um, thematically, you've called Sobrish. Um, a transitional album and i think what you're talking about is it, it emotionally transitional if i'm getting that right like i don't know am i asking right is it sort of the balance and i'll take your books again between uh horror stories and and fairy tales because every character does like there's a lack of confidence in some of the songs as the character is like oh i want to tell you but i just can't and yeah. you know i hear about your friend's divorce and the songs like like what how what I guess what was going on without eavesdropping too much into your personal life to kind of make that connector through all of these songs. You're too smart. You're too smart. Um, <laughs> you're catching all my tricks. That's yeah, it's absolutely. I, because I'm the one for people that are listeners, they may or may not have even heard that I wrote a book or a memoir, you know? And, but for me, the creator, it's very much a part of what led to soberish being the way it is. Mm -hmm. So I do see it as a bridge. I almost see like, horror stories coming out, then soberish happens, then fairy tales shows up and then the next record happens. Like there, that that's very much what I'm doing. I'm kind of having, and I also think that it was a bridge culturally because of the 2016 political situation and all that we've been going through as a country, we are going through an upheaval. Mm -hmm. And I think that lends me, I, I absorb all that as an artist. And I'm, I'm writing from that space of like, I'm not even really sure what this country is. I'm not even sure if this relationship is a relationship. I'm not even really sure if you're leaving me or I'm leaving you. Like all of those nuance like moments are captured in this record. And I think that's just authentic. That's just what I've been going through. What an interesting thing to be able, I'm gonna project in the future back to the present past. Because at some point, you know, you're going to look back and you're going to look at, look at this. I couldn't have figured it out. And, and knowing what the possible end game was at that point, you know, that's, that will be really interesting. I mean, it's interesting now, but I can, you know, only kind of suspect what that's going to sound like in the future. Yeah, it'll be really cool to look back and see how much I almost think in this album itself, because a few songs were recorded after we decided not to put the record out in 2020. And so we did it remotely. And thank God we had that great working relationship already built up over the, the previous year. But I feel like almost like sedimentary layers in, in archaeology or whatever, or geology, mm -hmm. you can tell, you know, the uncertainty and the kind of like lostness of the first part. And then toward the end, you can feel the Biden win. <laughs> I mean, like the last couple songs are like, yeah, I'm back. You know what I mean? Like, I think I will 10 years from now look back on that as like an absolute demarcation line. There's a song you slip in there towards the end and that's, that is Bad Kitty, which more or less closes out the record uh, other than a little reprise. And I thought, you know, here's a song to me, especially as we look back and forth from the present to the past of trolling the 90s press who gave you <laughs> so much, you know, flack 
for talking anything sexually back then. And and now it's just, I mean, it is so sort of blunt Part and like the course. Yeah. Yeah. There like it is. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I, I will ask too, because you know, as we talk about sort of in the comparison's not the right verb, right word, but as we're talking about, you know, Guy a lot in this, that is a record that ended up, it seemed like having maybe even unintended messages. Like the way people talk about it now, the way people speak about it now, especially the way women and women artists speak about it now. I don't know if you look at Soberish as any kind of companion to that record, but does this album say something in a similar way, like in a new version of you? Do you do you see it? Do you sense it in that kind of context? Um, the the difficult part would be back when I made Guyville, I had so much more certainty about what was right and wrong and who was bad and good. And I could point fingers as one can only do in the early part of your life where life has not dealt you enough blows to make everything, you know, it's a little bit this, but it's kind of that. And I could see that point of view. Like I know too much now. I can't with any certainty kind of be like, you suck and I'm calling you out because I suck and everybody sucks and everything <laughs> sucks, but everything's great. You know, like it's, you know, too much at my age, you know what I mean? You can't be anything but kind of complex about it. And so I do miss that sense of certainty and self-assurance that I had as a young person, but I deeply appreciate getting to a, a deeper level with like, you know, what is this all about? This crazy ride of life? What is it really all about? I know more now. I can actually say what I think it's about. Well, balance is important, you know, and it, it, it does show a lot of balance. Dosage uh, is everything, it. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, let's see, there's the tour coming up. I'm so excited to see this tour that's been supposedly happening for a while. I've been, uh, I, I will be coming to it. I'm talking about, uh, of course, Alanis Morissette and Garbage. I'm talking to Shirley tomorrow, I think. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. She's the best so, interview. So. I, I listened to the two of you all talk on the uh, podcast. Yes. Isn't yeah. she incredible? Yeah, she is. And actually, I listened to you and Alanis talk on, uh, on, on the live feed, too. So it's been fun kind of seeing, hearing all of you all share your stories and everything. So I just love how much chemistry there is between us as people. You know, what a what a privilege to share a bill with people that I admire so much and have so much in common with and can just, you know, riff with so easily. I really think that's just <laughs> the bee's knees. <laughs> No, I just, it's so exciting. It's just, they're wonderful people. They're super talented. I admire them both. And I feel just so lucky. Well, I'll be excited to see that tour and to hear these new songs. Liz, again, Sobrish, so good. So good. Thank you Thank for you, continuing Kyle. to do what you do. Thank you so much for having me. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now, it was just last year, the last time uh, Liz and I caught up 
Uh, this is when she had just released a brand new single and the autobiography. So I'm going to include that interview here as well. We got to talk about collecting the memories that make up the uh, Horror Stories book and how its follow-up fairy tales focuses on the darker and lighter sides of her past as well as the 2016 election and Prince's death, helped, how both of those helped kickstart the ideas in the process. You'll also hear about that comeback single called Good Side and returning to work with the producer Brad Wood. And, and a whole lot more. So let's do this part two, Kyle Meredith with Liz Fair. Hi, Kyle. It's Liz. Well, I know there's new music and I want to get to that. But, but first, let's hit on the book because I enjoyed horror stories so much, which is a weird thing to say considering the topics that you're writing about in it. But let me compliment you <laughs> as an author first. Like, uh, the style of your writing is, is so good. And, and right in the middle of the book, I thought, it's it reminds me of, have you read any of Patti Smith's books? Because that's what it reminds me of. Of course. Yeah, just kids. You know, I know you mostly as a lyricist, obviously. And, and now I read that you have done stuff before for, for publications. But were you always a, a writer in this way? No, it took me a long time to sort of expand my voice into prose. That was something that I worked on for quietly, privately, almost 10 years. This is not the typical musician book. It's not a book about albums. It's not exactly a book about songs. Uh, I, I'd say this is the stories that I'm always a bit more curious about that don't get told a lot of times in, in, in interviews. It's an original concept, what you've done, too. How did you come, wh when did you decide to write the book in this way? Well, I um, conceived of it, it's a two-part memoir. So this is horror stories, the first part, and the second part will be fairy tales. And I conceived of it almost as like a yin-yang collection. So these are sort of the dark, subconscious, you know, watery, nighttime, sexual, with a bright spot of truth, hope, and beauty in the center of it. And I just kind of thought that it would be better to break down my life into a cool concept. That's sort of what I'm known for, and that's what I enjoy doing, tackling like a big art concept. So that's sort of how I conceived of it. And each chapter is, you know, it's its its own little pod. It's like a um, a puzzle every single time. The way you lay out a story, it's like you, you bait us with a little bit of a hook that kind of drifts into <laughs> another memory. And then somewhere around, it comes back around. And it's like, that's that's the coolest part about reading each one of these, because you can almost open it to any random chapter if you wanted to. And it still works as like this mini little movie. Thank you. I feel like it's almost like an album of literature. Uh, <laughs> you absolutely. know what I mean? Like each chapter is almost like an extended song exploring one idea. That's kind of what I'm used to working um, like, and I just applied it to prose. Well, I'll hit on a couple of the chapters here too, a few of them. Starting with chapter two called Below, and I want to say, holy shit, when, <laughs> when, when it drops at the end what you're talking about in this chapter, I was, I was blown away because, you know, here, is, here you are all with your family on a sand dune, and we come to figure out later on that this same dune that you're on ends up swallowing, swallowing a child who ends up living because this is a real story that was, that was in the news. It's so detailed did you, to remember everything that specifically. Did you keep a journal, or, or are you like Kerouac as the great rememberer? Well, it's interesting. I learned a lot about myself and how my brain works in writing this book. 
I actually remember discrete memories and I forget all the other stuff in between. So I have great swaths of time that I don't remember anything from. But the moments that impacted me, whether good or bad, really stuck with me in vivid detail. It's as if my brain recognized a shock, either good or bad, and preserved it for future reference so that I could go back and examine it further. And, the, you know, dark stories are in horror stories and fairy tales will have like the positive, exciting stories. But that's just how my brain works. Hearing you detail like uh, LASIK. <laughs> well, it's like when I when I watched Inception, I freaked out because I'm like, that's me. <laughs> you know, I can I can walk into a memory and smell, see, hear, feel it at will, but only certain ones, only ones that had a profound impact on me. I, I loved hearing you detail, you know, the place where you grew up at your parents' house called Redbird Hollow, which I'll point out is right up the road from us. We're in Louisville here, so that's in the you know Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. that's great. The Ohio Valley. And my friend and I, who comes from Louisville, we call ourselves the Ohio Valley Players. <laughs> <laughs> Known for beautiful, uh, beautiful landscapes and horrible allergies. That's that's what we have here. <laughs> And wicked tornadoes. That's true. That part's true. But, you know, here you have this place that you grew up in, and you paint it so magically. And then we find out the actual house was this important moment in the Underground Railroad. And and reading about losing your grandparents later, is that is that whole place out of your family now? Or, or do you all still have that? No, we don't still have that. And I think, in a way, that, that allure of having, like, a family home to go back to, I don't know if, like, it would mean the same thing to us. It was such a childhood playground. It was such a magical place growing up and running in those woods. But I think that lent like a good insight into the way my mind works because I really did have freedom as a child, which certainly my son didn't benefit from growing up in Los Angeles. You know, there was there was room for the imagination to bound, if you will. I always, I always tell my son that uh, boredom is a gift, you know. <laughs> right. Right. You know, what you can do out there to, to have those moments. The world is just filled with too many, you know, too many things coming into us all the time. Swat away the ads, swat away the commercials, <laughs> deal with, you know, checking into security, <laughs> whatever you got to do. It's pretty overwhelming. It's it, nice to stop and just take the quiet moment and really, like, remember what that feels like. That that spot there, it it seems like that would be on a historical registry at, at this point, you know, to to have been something like that. I mean, it may have been. It certainly may have been. That was something that we discovered when my grandparents did work on the house. It wasn't until an architect came in and they were expanding their room that they discovered this um, hiding space for men and women fleeing slavery. Slavery in, I don't know, the 1800s, 1700s. It's just incredible. It really was. Yeah. Uh, I should also point out, you know, as you talk about the you know, horror stories versus what's coming up fairy tales, which I didn't know about that. I'm very, very excited about that. That's a nice little treat. But it should be said in this concept that we haven't said, like these, you are, you are giving us these moments that of your lesser self. Is that the right way to put it? Like, you know, these aren't your most shining moments, right? These are often 
sometimes actions I've taken that fall outside the bounds of what I consider my character and that I have been haunted with regret about. Like, you know, some of the stories are things that happened to me or things that I witnessed, but there's a lot of them in there that's kind of an accounting. And what that sprang from was the 2015-2016 election when I was pointing my finger at the television and condemning people or condemning like views that I was seeing. And inevitably that forced me to look at myself and wonder how I would fare under that kind of scrutiny. What have I done that has been out of line with my values, you know? And it, so it just, it just spurred this whole sense of what are my core values? When have I acted within them? And when have I acted outside of them? It's really a book about being human. I guess I'm writing about what it's like for me as a person, not just as a rock star. Mm. There's a song that opens up your, your record, Fun Style, called Smoke. And, and, and the character asks, one of the characters asks, what's in the box? And you say, my little voice of self-doubt. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and this is an obvious, I, I feel like maybe this is an obvious question. But, you know, as, we, as you progress into the book and you talk about going through surf therapy and, and that being one of the things that really helps you out, how important was, I guess, your current states, whatever that might be, uh, to be for you to write this book? Like, could you have written this book at any other time? No, I could not have written this book at any other time. I think there's something about crossing the threshold of 50 that, you know, suddenly you realize you're not a kid anymore. No one's going to be fooled. And you see the horizon and things start to get crystallized in your mind. And you do start to think, you know, what's important? What's important to me? And what do I want to convey to people? It was actually after Prince died, my manager called me. And it's a really awkward phone call because Prince died and I was on the road with the Smashing Pumpkins performing solo in opera houses across the country. And he said something like, Liz, you know, like, uh, none of us knows how much time we have. You don't know. You could be gone tomorrow. And I'm like, I feel pretty healthy. But he was thinking, and he said to me, you know, are you making the work you want to be making if it was the last thing you left behind? Because everyone was thinking about how much Prince still had in him to give and how much we wanted to hear that. And I thought, no, I'm not actually making the work that I would want to leave behind if it was the last thing I ever did. And I, I, I shifted and I changed. And it, it, it clarified for me something really important about being an artist and how much I want to express myself. And I changed tack. It's amazing how much influence Prince had on us during his life and after his life. Yeah, we didn't, I didn't even realize how important he and Bowie and Tom Petty and all the people that we lost were to me until they were gone. They were really fixed stars in the firmament as far as I was concerned. And they gave me a lot of permission to be free because they were so much farther out there, you know, like the super upperclassmen. It, it also is a good uh, uh, moment to remember to to celebrate, the, you know, the ones we that inspire us while they're actually here, you know, because I think oh, that yeah. happens a lot that it's afterward. I think we all feel that, though, now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that uh, I'll, I'll tie that in. So you, you have a new single. It's called Good Side. It is so great to hear new music from you. I enjoyed Fun Style. Uh, it's been a long time in the rear view, though. And, you know, for a lot of us fans, we've been like, okay, much like your manager, I think. We're like, hey, hey, where is it? But now you've given us this <laughs> single. How does this single speak to the book? Um, they're not really connected in the sense that, like, is there an actual conceptual tie-in? But I did go back and work with Brad Wood, my original producer, on Exile in Guyville. And I did think about, you know, when was I making my best work? What was the best 
challenge that I set myself in the past. And working with him was really that for me. And so I did go back and revisit that kind of sound. And I wanted, I was curious to see what kind of music we would make, you know, 25 years later. And we tried to come up with something that didn't sound like anything we've done before, but was still very us. And we're even getting Casey Rice, who was the original guitar player on Exile and Guyville, to throw in some hooks all the way from Australia. So it'll it'll have like a real resonance with the past, but at the same time, it'll be wholly new. In fact, it's finished. I just have to put one more song on it and a couple bells and whistles and we're done. We're mixing part of it now. So 2020 release? Probably, I'm guessing. Yep, early yeah. 2020. No, definitely. There, there was a recent uh, uh, Veruca Salt article that came out, and, and I guess Brad had also recorded their first one, and there's a hilarious part there where I, I forget which which one of the uh, the band members was talking about how Brad wouldn't shut up to them the entire time about how he was recording your record and how great that was going. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Well... <laughs> I think, you know, he can be Charlie and we can be Charlie's angels. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. With, with, with this single good side, so obviously this is the only one we've heard for the new record right now, it, it also seems to place sort of a dual purpose, you know, lyrically, maybe like a, a, you know, a public persona and always having to be on, not just the literal, hey, here's the good side of my photo. I think it's really more about maturity in relationships instead of fucking running. I'm saying, hey, let's stop it here while we both still like each other because we we know this isn't really going anywhere and before feelings get hurt let's just stop before anyone behaves badly and just have this cap encapsulated moment that we can always remember and you know that's that's maturity yeah well, does the, uh, the the rest of the album speak to similar themes i mean um you know you talk about obviously the election and everything sort of being a turning point uh, along with prince does that make its way in as so many artists are finding ways to or how to reflect that in their music? I don't know. I don't know if I've reflected Prince in my music. I really pretty much always reflect myself as I can. And the record gets a little stranger from here. I was pretty experimental with song structures and sounds. So Good Side is kind of like my ambassador. Hi, hello, how are you? And then I'll take you into a little deeper and twistier journey. It's even more exciting. I'll end with, uh, I, I sort of want to get your take on this. When you open the book, Horror Stories, there's a, an Edgar Allan Poe quote. It says, I was never really insane except on occasions where my heart was touched. And that's an interesting, I, I, could you explain that a little bit, what that means to you? That means passion makes us mad. And it's both the most attractive thing. He's clearly not saying sorry about that. He's just explaining that when he's passionate about something, he does go a little mad. It does pull you out of the day-to-day and... It's almost like a super realm, the heart, when you're really feeling something. And it isn't always linear or something comprehensible. You act with feeling. And there's your definition, as, as those <laughs> quotes are supposed to do, I suppose. Uh-huh. Liz, I, I'm so grateful for your passion, for everything you've given us so far musically and for this book. I cannot wait for the follow-up for the fairy tales, but I seriously am so looking forward to the album because Good Side is a great first, uh, first bite of this one. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Take care, and we'll see you around. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Kyle. All right. Bye. Bye. And my thanks to Liz Fair again. The new album is called Soberish. Thanks to you again for checking out this episode. Uh, please do hit the subscribe button. You can do so at the iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, YouTube. If you want to watch the video versions of these or anywhere you get your podcast from, 
to subscribe to Kyle Meredith with three new interviews every single week. After that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I'm also on TikTok at Kyle Meredith 81 uh, Like and follow along. Make sure to say hi when you do. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. And I, I just love looking at what's behind you. There's a lot of good stuff to look at there. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.